Uno, dos, tres, cuatro. Let's begin. Hello and welcome back to Football Gentron, the only English language podcast dedicated to Armenian football, as far as we know. I am your host, Adam, and I am joined here by the usual suspects, Charens and Armen, my beautiful co-hosts, and we come at you after a very eventful UEFA Nations League campaign. Boys, how are you doing? Good, good, good. Excited. I mean, a lot to talk about, as always, and good stuff, bad stuff, overall, uh, looking yeah, forward to Yeah, a lot of topics, to well, of course, as usual, a lot to discuss. Uh, so yeah, first, more we'll, topics this time, yeah. Like we'll a lot start of off different with things together mixed. Ugh, too much. Lots of headlines. Lots of headlines. Um, first, big thing, obviously, Armenia have been relegated from the UEFA Nations League after a 5-0 loss to the Ukraine and a 3-2 loss to the Republic of Ireland. Um, Armenia ended bottom of the group. Uh, only managing to get three points, and that was in that 1-0 win against Ireland in the opening game. Uh, And we are back down to League C for the next iteration of the UEFA Nations League. Um, And we'll talk a little bit more about the implications of those um, in a bit. But, uh, boys, let's just start by essentially summarizing, not necessarily about what we saw on the pitch, because... I don't think that would be helpful, <laughs> but but more of the overarching themes of what we saw over here. So, um, Admin, what's one overarching theme that you saw in these two matches? Uh, and we'll go around a few times. So, what's one overarching theme that you saw in these matches that you feel contributed to these results and ultimately to our relegation? Hmm. Um, there's a lot, but I just said... I would say mentality. I would say the for once the off the pitch situation I believe affected the team. And then I can say I, I like I could see the psychology, the team uh being burned out against Ukraine. And then what I saw the changes uh like a lot of youth coming off the bench, we needed that spark, you know. We needed people that needed to play, and and a lot, a lot of the change on the pitch came from that. Came from the generational change. So everything is connected in a way. Okay, that's good. That's a good one to start. Uh, I yeah, I agree. I think um, mental. The mental side of the game is something that we've we have stressed that needs improvement. And it, interestingly enough, post uh, sorry pre all of this uh, this Nations League campaign, I actually read that the um, Armenian Olympic Committee has actually hired uh, sports psychologists to help with their athletes. And I thought, hmm, that's very interesting that the you know the Armenian Olympic Committee is doing this. This is something the FFA should strongly consider bringing in, um, but. Next topic, Chadens. What's what's one overarching theme here? I want to jump into the the average age. I ha- I personally have not compared the average age in the previous selections to be able to compare them and give my uh, observation regarding it. However, just like some some of our fans noted. Uh, that I had a reaction to the selection of Magoyan. That basically <laughs> sums it up. Like you're bringing in players. Uh, yeah, this was this was a young lineup. This was a young uh, squad selection. But on the field, did we see a young selection? No, did we see no. a newer, not at all, not adapted at all. game? Well, no. that answers the question. We didn't see an adapted game. We didn't see. A different kind of game. It was similar mistakes, similar way of playing, mm-hmm. which leads to another point as well that yeah. the playing game was not the, the, any different. Yeah, I, I agree, and and I think so, you just need to look at the numbers there to tell you exactly. the truth. It's thirty-two. Our average starting 
lineup was like 32 and a half years old was the age and something along the lines of like our average squad age was i believe the highest in our group as well if i'm so i got i got the list i got the list right here yulchenko goalkeeper 36 and he's the best uh buchnev which is not even good i mean he's one of the worst attack supposed armenian goalkeepers in the apl and he's on top of that he's 32 Andre Chalisher, as much as I love him, he's 32. Um, Voskanyan, same case as Buchnev, 29. Uh, Mokoyan, 36. Ovoan Patsumyan, again, as much as we love him, 31. Captain Vato is, okay, Captain is 30, but he's a CB, so he's got a long, uh, like, a good four years ahead of him. And Artakrikorian, the Lion, 34. He's done. He needs to go. We love him, but he needs to go. Horik Pairamian, 30. Uh, which is like a, a weird case. Benjamin Button, uh, 32. Uh, Lucas de la Rayan, 30. Uh, and honestly, we gotta go into Lucas a little bit, but later on, bro. Um, and those are the guys that played that started. Yeah, yeah, that sums it up. It's 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 literally it's you can see it there. Like yeah. You don't have to over over analyze it or anything. You could just see the starting lineup. It's like you're playing them for what? Yeah. There's no end goal to it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next item I'll bring up: uh, discipline or lack thereof. Huge theme in this campaign. Uh, we had how many red cards? Uh, penalty kicks given away. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a general lack of professionalism on the pitch and i think that that plays into the mentality that that we had previously discussed related to that uh you know we had four red cards within the last i don't know four games was it or or three three games yeah yeah four red cards and three games two of them uh the ages of the players with the red cards again 29 29 um 30 one and 32 yeah it's it's these are people that like Supposedly i guess co- experienced yeah co- people from outside looking in would say these are supposed to be the, these are the experienced guys and and i think <clears throat> i think the 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 ones against ireland were sloppy um they were avoidable I, I but I understand like the mental yeah. the like the just the because of the 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 situations that went on and in and, and in yeah, quick succession weird. I think what was it, play? any hot-headed Armenian would have had the same reaction and and unfortunately many of us are hot-headed so I I could definitely see how that but I'm talking about the other Mentality. two the, the tackles the 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 Nesian red cards those were stupid. Those were just dumb. Those yeah. were, there's a reason why they weren't in the squad. Not only were they because they were suspended, but because they don't deserve to be there. Um, and and throw back to what we were saying also, mm-hmm. the Norway game. Mm-hmm. Another, it was, exactly. It, it, it was a friendly game, which which was like the, the I, door to yeah. this. I think that was Cap's mistake, in my opinion. I mean, lately this last season, we have been seeing uh, several tactical mistakes from Cap, uh, which we're going to get into. But um, on that one, I wouldn't have, like, um, yes, Arman Hovannesian was the, the worst tackle there, but he wasn't the only one. And, and we saw targeted tackling, like, Stiopa, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was everyone, everyone. Yeah. Uh, Horik, mm-hmm. uh, a game that w- was against players of the caliber of Holland, uh, of Odegaard, uh, Joshua King. Like, you had a chance to show talent and play your game, and you could lose 4 1, but do something with that game. And instead, they, I don't know what the, the idea was in that game, but the Scotland one was awful. The, 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 game, the tackles against Scotland were avoidable and stupid. There was, like, the team was dominating. We were 1-1 we were and could have scored, the, again, another winner to one. Um, 
and and not of us all of a sudden we went to halftime a man down i believe and uh and there were there was no immediate invasion of armenia at the time so there were there were no excuses for those two red cards as opposed to the ireland game that again unprofessional unpro- it was but it, it was a little a lot more understandable against ireland than it was against scotland yeah, agreed. Uh, Chadens, next overarching theme in this campaign that led to Armenia's relegation. Well, the next one, I personally want to note out uh, the previous, which which I was going to lead to from the previous one, is Kaparov's playing style. Mm-hmm. He, the way... The way we were expecting, we're anticipating uh, that we would line up in a, for for the given teams. They were completely the opposite. Like the last game, for example, against Ireland, we're expecting to go all out attack in a way uh, to try and actually get the win. Because we need to win. Because <laughs> we yeah, need exactly. to win. Exactly. It didn't happen. Yeah, I, I it was, think it was the only thing to do, and it didn't happen. Like there's nothing to lose. Literally, you need to win. What do you have? You got to do full. I think the best example of this shot ends comes in that last game against Ireland, with something that I had pointed out when when the lineup came out. The subs. That. No, no, not the subs. The the fact that he was starting, Lucas Zelarion and Eduard Spertian, two undoubtedly extremely talented number tens. Whether or not one's better than the other, it doesn't matter because they're both very good. And they're both very capable. But neither was playing in their natural position. Lucas was playing as a false nine, and Edo was playing as a six. It's it, it's just, to me, it's like the waste of selections, mm-hmm. the, the waste of, uh, uh, of of tactical setup is, is appalling. You have Stiopo Makrchan, who is a, an extremely capable young central defender. Oh, yeah. Very physical, has shown his dominance in the last match against Ireland. Bring him on. Partner him with Haroyan. That's a fresh center back pairing. But what do we do instead? We have Makoyan. We have a back five system that doesn't really work, that our players are are it, got dismantled by Ukraine in the fir- in in the first of two games because people, you know, they were they're playing a zonal marking system and no one knew when to step and everyone was afraid to step, afraid to make a tackle and it just ended up being walk into the edge of the box, ping it across and someone tapped it home. That's literally what it was every single time, but just because no one knew what yep. they were doing and I and we've said this before a five at the back is just not it for Armenia. They'll concentrate. They'll give you 50 minutes of of great concentrated defense. But what happens after that? They fall apart. And that happened every yeah. single game. I mean, one yeah, one more defender doesn't guarantee better defending. I think that that's the takeaway there. And another thing I want to note related to this, to the playing style, is that... Mm-hmm. Um, what do we do when we have the ball? Like, what have we been doing for the last season? Uh, throw it away. Like, as if we don't want the ball. That I know, and I, I've, like, uh, read and then learned that this has always been Cap's uh, style at his club career. Uh, mm-hmm. Bilbao, Sevilla, Osasuna. But that's not the one that suits us. Uh, Armenia yeah. thrives with the ball. Armenian players thrive in possession and short passing style. And, like, it was so obvious. It was insanely obvious to see the change after halftime. We were 1 0 down. Uh, things got 2 uh, 0. And Armenia changed the approach uh, suddenly, right? They started, mm-hmm. I, I believe it was the 50th, 55th, or 60th it was when, minute. When Bahan got substituted on. That's when Yeah, the first, the first few substitutions matched the change of approach. Because one would think with Zelarayan and Spertian on the team, they would focus on short passing, right? Uh, so, but no, it didn't turn out to be that way. Subs came on, Lucas was subbed off, Bahan was 
uh, stopped on. Um, and suddenly, for some reason, Armenia changed, in, like, uh, players aside, personnel aside. When Armenia changed and shifted the approach, two goals out of, a, like, in two minutes. And it was so obvious. It should have been like that from the beginning. And mm-hmm. and it related to that, again, everything is connected in, in yeah. life and in football. We are teaching philosophy here. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what was I gonna say? Yeah, we saw like three very. I was gonna get into this three very specific play styles in three different seasons for Cup, and we saw the best of the Armenian national team under Caparros. Everything was positive and and like high, like everything brought the best in each other over the first year and a half. Why? Because back at that time, Cap was adjusting his coaching style to our capabilities and qualities. And after the whole Heno locker room uh, fiasco, uh, halfway through Cap's spell at the national team, that was a, an inflection point. And we saw an Armenian national team uh, back to playing style that cap trying to impose on the team and i don't know that that was the inflection point the change in approach yeah and and i think this plays into the fact that all of our goals all three of our goals scored in this campaign were scored from outside the box and if you look at our style of play and our approach to every single match that makes sense several long balls over the top to Tigran Barsegan. That was the game plan. That was how the Kaparos wanted to transition from defense to attack. But every single time, Tigran Barsegan was not able to do anything. He couldn't hold the, the ball. He lost possession. He The goal he against just, Scotland, Bahan. That was inside the box. And again, ironically, uh, both goals against down. Ireland were outside the box, but Ironically, they came when Armenia started to play long, uh, short, short passing and short passing, and and this kind of this leads me to this, well, and this also leads to my to my ultimate point that I've been making that it's one thing I really don't like under Kavaros is the the lack of a importance of a number nine, and and I obviously Spain had shown that you don't need a, a center forward to win. But we don't have that quality. We do, we are we mm-hmm. cannot play two false nines and expect good results. And and leaving out Sagi Sadaman from the squad for one reason or another, for the co- falling out with the coach. I uh, mean, it it it. I it don't shows. know if that's. I don't it know. Uh, yeah, if you, yeah. If I you mean, replace, if Sokko, you replace, yeah. If you replace Tigran with Sako in these situations, that is what he does at, week in week out in the Bundesliga. In, in a top league in the world, of course he's going to be able to do it against a few Irish players. It's 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 things like that that it that bother me. And Sako, of course, contributes in his own way. He is a for for us forward. He is a very creative player uh, mm-hmm. for, for for a number nine, and he does it for Hoffenheim. And and he did it for Hoffenheim. He definitely did it for Club Bruges, and he's doing it for for Köln, uh in this season. And he. We just need to leverage that. I mean, it's it, it's <laughs> we don't we already don't have players in top five leagues in Europe as is, and and to purposefully leave them off, it, in my opinion, makes it even worse. And and not having that, you know, what British people call fox in the box, uh, to be able to convert those second chances, um, mm. or help create those chances, help the hold up play, which is this whole capital style of play hold it up and, and, and play off the wings, you're, you're not going to have success. And, and that's exactly what we saw. We were also very unlucky to have both Babayan and Balekian injured on the same week. I mean, but I mean, again, I don't, I don't, I, I do. I think Babayan and Balekian, I, I feel like Babayan is very, is similar to Barsekhan, except he's probably just faster. Um, but I, I would say that's somewhere that that uh, that Norby would have been a huge help for sure. 
final point, um, I guess, and this is, again, another A to Z point that we just saw. There was just very evident of an unprofessional footballing structure in Armenia and a general lack of merit when it comes to our football. There is a lack of merit when it comes to squad selections. There's a lack of merit when it comes to how the clubs operate um, because they there's this general, you know, favoritism towards non-Armenian players. There's this general lack of merit towards playing specific players that have been here for a while just for the sake of them being here or because they're uh, their Kavod is this person, as Armin likes to say it. Yeah. Uh, and, and that has hurt us. I think we we, we had a golden opportunity. Talk- Bro, we literally were talking before the before hopping on today to the recording. Uh, three very specific cases that would like shed light perfectly on how this works. Uh, they teams are benching. We're referring to Van and Pukuma. They're benching mm-hmm. uh, Najarian and Gorelov from Van, and they're benching Obasarian uh, at Bukuma. All three of them are diasporan, huge diasporan talents that repa- repatriated to Armenia to, to get citizenship and play for the national team, and they're getting benched. It's like, what? I, I, this is fa- funny, it's tragic comic. Uh, how good must Fukuma be to have a former Germany under-17 national team centre-back and Hamburg youth captain as their second string player. This will continue. This will continue. It's not like it's going to stop here. Like We're watching it here, but everyone who is listening will know this this will continue and this continues. Yeah. And and is there going to be a change? I mean, I don't know. We we we've noticed a we lot of we've noticed a lot of discontent from diasporan players uh, that we've spoken to that you know have expressed their frustrations with the football federation. I think Daronis Kanderian is a great example of Men. coming from. Yeah, another another good example. Uh, just Former these, team Keram Kadimian again. Yeah, another one. The guy was a freaking machine in Belarus, and you know, just COVID Messi. COVID Messi, yeah, he was literally the best player in the world at that point. Um, <laughs> yeah, so bottom line, Armenia relegated down to League C again. I think failing to capitalize on a golden opportunity that would have helped Armenia grow even further in its football. But I would say an important lesson for us in that, uh, you know, success can be taken away from you as fast as you are in it. So, or faster than you are in it. So Armenia will be placed in pot one of the next UEFA Nations League campaign, which I believe is set uh, to be played in 2024. Uh, Armenia is in pot one with Romania, Sweden, and Russia, if Russia are allowed to play. Uh, so good good news, at least out of all this is we avoid playing Sweden or Romania or Russia because we are considered one of the four uh, uh, big dogs in League C, uh, which is going to be. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be it's going to be weird to see how we're how we're going to be considered the bigger fish in, 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 in this pond, because anytime commentators or writers or journalists are going to be talking about League C in the Nations League they're going to talk about how Armenia was playing in League B. And so Armenia is going to be favorites in probably every single one of these matches. So it's going to be interesting to see how that change is going to, how that pressure is going to play. Um, But we don't know when that's going to happen yet exactly. And I believe uh, the prize for getting first place in that Nations League campaign will be the playoff spot. But again, being a League C winner, unless you're the top League C winner, it's not going to benefit you as much. So whatever, take of that what you will. But the the more important um, thing in the grand scheme of all this uh, was actually something that was pretty much confirmed when we were promoted to League B, uh, but was cemented after the Russian invasion of Ukraine, ironically. Uh, Armenia is in pot three for the UEFA Euro 2024 qualifying draw, which will take place 
uh, a couple days actually after this episode comes out. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, from this recording, one week, but yeah. Yeah, uh, October 9th. There we go. A shot into had to put the date. I didn't see it there. Uh, so Armenia, this is Armenia's highest ever seeding in qualifiers, meaning we have an opportunity to be in a group of five or a group of six where half of the teams are a very high likelihood worse than us. I mean, there are some teams in pot four we would like to avoid, like Greece and Turkey. Well, I don't know if you would want to avoid Turkey. I personally wouldn't. Uh, but Macedonia, I don't want to play them anymore. But not today. But we mean, have, there are some teams that rather, we don't get because of oh, one another. Yeah. Azerbaijan is in, rather, is in pot four. Uh, I would rather avoid Kosovo and Bulgaria than Macedonia because history has shown that Armenia can play and beat Macedonia repeatedly. Not recently, but repeatedly. Yeah, but you know what? Honestly, I'm just tired of playing them. <laughs> I just don't want to play them. <laughs> we could, uh, Armen, you said Kosovo. Uh, I believe we, if if let's say if Serbia, if we get if we're in the same one as Serbia, let's say. We don't get Kosovo. Oh, I got it. That's why I was saying before, uh, there are a few teams <laughs> that cannot get each other. It's not just Armenia and Azerbaijan. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Armenia. Silver lining, I guess. It's different teams, yeah. There, there's like three yeah. of, there's four, I think, four. four so, pairs. yeah, so if we get one of those two hard volcanic teams, we avoid the other. Yeah, I would say. I, I, think, I think it's really, what's really important here is, is pot one teams are very likely going to win their groups pot two however there's a lot of teams there that are beatable and i think it really depends on who we get in pot two i mean you have <laughs> because it, it, yeah. the way your qualifiers <laughs> is top two qualify i believe and i don't know if there's a playoffs right if there's not it's it's the nation's league correct so uh so there is no playoff so top two qualify and if you're in a group of five and if you know we're armenia we're the pot three team if there's two teams that are worse than us, and if the pot two team is a beatable team, like, I don't know, the, I'm looking here and I'm seeing Israel, Israel Bosnia, and Finland. Bro, I mean, yeah, yeah, Finland today. But and if we look at the qualifiers, we, two things. Away to Scotland in Glasgow, we got a better result at Hampton Park than Ukraine did. And at home in in, in uh, we were dominating, as I said, and it, had it not been for those two stupid red cards, which play into the lack of merit, merit that we constantly talk about and the structural problems, we would have beaten Scotland. So Scotland is beatable for Armenia. And actually yeah. so is Ukraine, but it's the approach that makes us think that we're actually worse than we are yeah so in a in a in an in a ideal world for the euros we would like to see doesn't matter who from pot one because i mean i don't think we can be any of those teams from pot two israel bosnia finland i want to avoid serbia obviously england and france they need to be avoided by at all costs i wouldn't mind watching us play against czech republic or wales I, I think those would be very interesting games. Um, mm -hmm. But the, it's it's pretty much avoid France, avoid England, avoid Serbia. The rest yeah, I'm okay with. I agree. And and it's just going to be an all it's going to be an all out battle. And and I would also prefer Armenia to be in a five team group because there are going to be three groups that have six teams because there's three pot uh, pot six teams. I believe it's Liechtenstein, San Marino, and Andorra. I would prefer we avoid that. I would prefer Armenia are only in a group of five because that gives us more. Right. It gives us mm -hmm. two more games to mess up against what what's considered inferior opposition. Which which knowing us, yeah, I got it. Will I got it? it yeah, <laughs> the probability is pretty high there. So that's what I think. What do you guys think? Uh, I understand. Yeah, I agree. Well, draw is going to be October 9th. We'll see who we get. It's going to be uh, pretty exciting. I believe the matches start in March uh, because we have the November friendly window, which Armin is anticipated to be playing a game or two. And then we have the World Cup at the end of November going into December. And then, of course, it's the holiday season. And then we have uh, 
play will be resuming in Armenia in February club, but elsewhere in Europe, top five leagues should be resuming within a couple weeks into the new year. And already in March, uh, these qualifiers are going to begin. So it's it's going to come. It's, it feels like it's a long time away, but it's it's going to come pretty quickly, I would say. Well, that wraps it up for the national team, national team. Uh, but there is still one big headline that we need to discuss, gentlemen. It is the fact that the Football Federation of Armenia and Joaquin Kaparos have decided to part ways. Uh, this was after, of course, the recent Nations League campaign. Uh, the Football Federation want to take a new direction in these next set of qualifiers and need to make a decision rather quickly. Uh, but before that, let's take a look at Joaquin Kaparos um, as a whole and essentially what he achieved for the national team. Chadens, what is, in your opinion, what's the biggest achievement Kaparos had? In my opinion, what's the biggest achievement? Well, the UEFA Nations League B promotion, because in the long run, it helps us. Um, it helps us. It helps us. Like now, we were just talking about how uh, we're in pot, uh, pot one in the uh, in the next UEFA Nations League. That that's not the only. Uh, that's not the only thing that helps us, though. Mm-hmm. In terms of. Uh, it shows, or as an overall image for Armenia, it shows that there is there is quality there. Uh, mm-hmm. We we played well and we got there. Uh, what happens? What happened after in that league? Sure, it wasn't it wasn't good, etc. etc. We already discussed it. However, the promotion personally is the best thing that he's done so far. Agreed. Agreed. I think that's. I don't. I think that's something that we won't. We won't quickly forget. And and as a result of that promotion, like we just said, pot three in Euro 2024 qualifying. So that's another achievement of his. It's he was the one that got us there. Um, Amen. You're a little more of a stats guy. Statistically speaking, break it down. How did Joaquin Caparos do for Armenia? Good. I mean, solid. Good. And had it not been for the last season. He would have been like fighting to be perhaps the best Armenian national team coach of all times. Uh, and even then, he got up top to the top three, tied with Minasian, in my opinion. We're going to go into the stats uh, and then, uh, in a little bit, in a few minutes. But before that, I would have to say that for me, the most important thing Kaparos has achieved and has succeeded in taking Armenia into new heights to was the nine-game undefeated run. It was the historical undefeated record for the Armenian national team. With no, uh, Yes, of course, we, we are a recently independent nation, and the national team has only a few decades under their belts, but he was the one to achieve the longest undefeated run for the national team, and it was... Uh, like starting on his very second game, I believe we even the first one he should have uh, we should have not lost. Uh, it was an unfair game in Skopje against uh, Macedonia, where uh, they were handed two penalty kicks uh, that weren't fouls, one on Haroyan and one on Hapatsumian, and Armenia deserved to at least get a point from that game and it was a great showing and after that came win after win and then a draw and a win again and for nine games a whole calendar year Armenia looked unbeatable like the way it was they we, they were not being beaten and it legit looked unbeatable and even Croatia the World Cup runners-up yes it was a friendly game um and and it started off feeling like a friendly game they were allowing a lot of dumb mistakes in very armenian fashion but after a while they started to focus and and the croatians started to get a little less friendly and things like got heated up and they really hustled and it became competitive like croatia 
came to a point where Croatia couldn't like really wanted to break down Yurchenko's goal and couldn't after their opener by I believe it was Kramaric I can remember um, and Armenia tied that game equalized and had the opportunity to win actually away and only after that the friendly loss against Sweden and it took like uh, as I mentioned the home Heno Mkhitaryan lacroom fiasco to change that virtual cycle and the winning spirit that the team had until then um, I've never yeah. seen an Armenian national team be at such a high level to compete with the, literally the best because Croatia was the second best in the world and for such a long time like never <laughs> for real right? yeah it, it, it's break breaking it down by the numbers he had the second most games in charge he had the second most wins and he had the fourth best win percentage um but that's you know counting that, people who like, only played a few games yeah, most of the positives came came within his first year and a half. Yeah, he overall he, he overall had 26 games in charge. He won eight, drew six, and lost 12. If you combine the wins and the draws, which as Armenians, you know, we'll take a draw as well. Considering though, a lot of these draws were against inferior opposition, but that's 14 wins and draws, which is m- more wins and draws than losses, and and that's something that I think we should look at as as in as a very very positive thing um so it's it's great we're we're very happy we had him uh it feels a little bit like of an end of an era type ordeal uh with Hines Melendez no longer being the sporting director and Joaquin Capado stepping down it feels like the 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 Spanish connection is is wearing off but but hopefully the influence stays there and I think that was the whole point right that was the whole point of bringing in Melendez, who had brought in Kaparos, uh, who, you know, they were both implementing these game plans to change Armenian football from the grassroots uh, level. And these are, you know, we might not see the fruits of these labors for another 10 years down the line. But um, I think if you look at Armenian youth players today, uh, I think the way that they play, and, and this is something that I noticed when I was watching, uh, I believe it was highlights from the under the under 19s, the under 17s who recently played. Um, their passing play is so much better than it was five years ago. Um, Armenian youth teams, young Armenian players, 19 and under, are much better passers. Even 21, our our U21 players, I would argue, are much better passers than our senior national team players. And this is a direct result of of these changes. So hopefully whoever comes in next... um, whoever comes in next continues that growth. Um, but the big looming question is, who is going to take over? Uh, there have been a couple of rumors, the first being Andrei Talayev, uh, who's a Russian uh, manager. He he was like an assistant for the entire Russian youth setup. He uh, actually had a crazy run with Punic at one point, but that was denied by himself and the FFA. Um, there was also rumors that we have learned about today about Luis Fernandez, uh, who is a very experienced manager, former manager of PSG, also became like a scout. And uh, he's worked with one national team, I believe, but he's out of practice for a few years. And um, the final rumor is one that I like a lot, uh, which is uh, Bielsa, who comes from an actual good source, apparently, but they're around. still... Still no clear word from his circle. What we do know, though, uh, I read a couple days ago that Bielsa had turned down going to Santos in Brazil uh, because he didn't think the project was interesting enough. Uh, hopefully, you know, yeah, the Football Federation. Yeah, well, you, what's a more interesting project than than this Armenia team? Uh, but I'll open the floor to you yeah, guys. Yeah, with Melendez. Like, we're the heritage of Melendez. And there's the connection, the Bilbao connection. There is, uh, which which seems to be the the, the weird focal point uh, in all yeah. this. Uh, out of every club in the world, it's 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 Bilbao. Um, I love it. But 
who would you guys like to see? Um, I think let's let's do it this way. Give me an ideal manager and give me a realistic manager. We'll start with you, Chanans. Who's your ideal manager, available current manager, not Jurgen Klopp? Don't tell me Jurgen Klopp that you would like to see no, manager. I, say that. <laughs> I was thinking to make that joke, um, <laughs> but nah, nah. I, well, I, I'm not gonna. Unfortunately, I have to disappoint uh, everyone and say that. Um, I, I haven't researched enough to see who is unemployed currently and mm-hmm. who would fit in the national team. So I, I really don't know what to say for this. That's fair. That's fair. I know Ahmed probably has an opinion or two or ten. Ahmed will probably be like Tito or Theo or someone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ahmed, give me an ideal or uh, yeah, give me give me a <laughs> ideal manager and give me a realistic manager. You need more than 10 plans always that's the way monte Melconian taught us um but real for real I, I, again i gotta uh i share challenges uh, uh honestly because i haven't researched that far i mean sergio marcarian wouldn't be a bad alternative uh much like luis fernandez he's been out of practice i think he might have even retired but mm-hmm. he coached Greece national team, Paraguay national team. Um, like he knows national teams, right? He's Armenian, so that it's more than fitting. He, I don't know, he won a lot of things. He literally won a lot of titles in South America. Uh, but again, he's old and he's been out of uh, out of uh, practice for six years. So that I think that's off the table already. Um, honestly, ideally, it would be somebody that adjusts to our play style, you know, uh, somebody that uh, plays like that likes short passing football, uh, which wasn't Cap's uh, style. But I wouldn't say Bielsa is unrealist, unrealistic. I mean, we have a project and there's the Bilbao connection. It would make sense. I agree. I do think it would make sense. Um, I think he, of course, is a manager that prioritizes attack over defense, which I like um, <laughs> personally. Uh, and 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 I think I, for all parties, I think it makes sense. But whether or not it, it's appealing to him, um, because it is, it is a step down. I mean, let's be real. He's not. But it's not like he's. It's not like he's managed. I, th- I believe he's managed a couple of national team sides, right? He managed Chile and Argentina. So the, clearly he's not opposed to managing an uh, international side. It's going to be a different competition for him, that's for sure. I mean, playing against you know European. What? Exactly. I mean, and and you said it's a step down. It might, yes. But getting that first elite coach, as was Cap, mm-hmm. was for the Armenian national team to now be able to attract, to lure, like, oh yeah, that's the national team that fucking Caparros used to coach. Uh, it's not that bad, and they start considering Armenia. You know, that was the one breakthrough. Like, aside from all the stats, aside from from promotion to League B, the title, the under the historical undefeated run, uh, there's an off the pitch thing that is like the attention that cap brought to the national team. Mm. Now we're up another level and uh, the FFA and the Armenian Armenian football as a whole needs to like match that step up. They need to follow and meet the standards. It's a new standard now. Throughout my, um, I, I've done a little bit of research on, on based on our Spanish connection that we talked about on, on possible people that can be brought in that are very realistic. One person mm. that isn't, isn't a big name but it, to me, it seems very, uh, for some reason, it seems kind of likely, is Albert Silades, who is a Spanish coach, formerly mm-hmm. of Valencia, Valencia, former Valencia manager. He was also the Spanish under-21, under-17, and, and under-16 manager, while Ginés Melendez was the uh, director of football at Spain. So that's one very realistic uh, connection that could possibly happen. Adam hit the bingo. It's it. These are there are little things like this. Another another person I don't. This is a little bit more out there. 
I would think. And and I don't, the connections are a lot more loose. But Kike Setien, former Barcelona manager, is also available. Oh. That's a that's another big one. I'm not going to even mention some of the other ones uh, like Zidane and Benitez because those people yeah, wouldn't go. We had one or two fans uh, saying uh, I, I, I want I want Benitez. I mean, I understand those fans, but I also don't really see it, and I don't don't really see the point of thinking about that. I'll tell you what though. Even though I said I have research and such, mm-hmm. some names or specifically some criteria that I do not want to see is, firstly, Melikian. Uh, Melikian shouldn't come because, one, he's building something at Punic. He should focus on that. He shouldn't focus on coming to the national team and taking, uh, selecting these players, bringing them on, uh, trying to qualify, trying to achieve something. Uh, the second criteria that uh, I don't want our fans to to see or to expect that much is to not, to not expect from coaches who are um, who have won a lot of trophies. I understand they have won it, but if they if those if those managers come, you're going to be expecting us to win trophies, which with a national team it's difficult to win trophies. Because trophy means World Cup, trophy means Euros. First thing we're trying to qualify. Let's try to achieve that as much as possible. Let's mm-hmm. try to build the 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 base of something like Caparos. Some of the good things that he had done was his connections with. Uh, Delta Vigo and uh, PSV. No, PSV was not him, I think. But Delta Vigo with uh, Noah. If I might be wrong, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, the the thing is, his Spanish he connections. Well, yeah, yeah. See, uh, those those things, they they play the role to build to start to lay a foundation into something. So we want mm-hmm. someone to build that foundation to help build that foundation. That being said, it could be someone Spanish. It makes very good sense. The staff members are Spanish. I don't think they were let go with Caparos. Uh, hey, they, they, they're a package deal, I think. But Oh, they're a package um, deal. Okay. So, but a, another person that, that, just from my research, that comes to mind, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And these are, again, these aren't big-name people that, like, the average listener of our show is going to be like, oh, I know that person, unless you watch a lot of Spanish football. Uh, Marcelino, who was just recently... Uh, let go as manager of Athletic Bilbao, former Valencia, former Sevilla, uh, a guy that has a lot of managerial experience. He's in his late 50s, um, and he actually has success. He won the Copa del Rey uh, and against, I believe, uh, Barcelona. So it, a really good, solid manager that is available right now. So it's it, these are things that, you know, there are, of course, wish list items. You know, everyone would love a Zinedine Zidane to come manage Armenia, but that's just not how it works. You know, we, we all have our, our wish lists, and, and, and I know that the Football Federation is going to leverage their connections, and, you know, our connections right now are Spanish, so that's just very likely where this is going to end up. We're not saying for sure the manager is going to be Spanish, but I think if there is a desire to continue this growth, um, that's probably the way that they should be going. Uh, any yeah, last project on this on this topic? We need a project. That's a project. That's my my two cents. My last thought. Yeah. yeah to lay okay. a foundation to starting something to basically help build the the whole national team because the national team is what people look up to. Not everyone exactly. looks at uh, clubs. Uh, many many people many Armenians who who definitely who want definitely. to watch uh, football. With Armenia, it's just the national team. They don't know much of the clubs. So laying the foundation for that is going up in every single aspect of the whole country, in, uh, the whole federation uh, helping one another to grow. Yeah, they, and they need, to, they need to start taking good decisions uh, and set egos aside. Like back to the diaspora issue in the, the APO. They need to... like. 
you have a talent, make the most of it. Uh, set your ego to side. Uh, I don't know. There's there's a lot of things, you know. They they need to change things from the root. Yeah, and 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 also I think we need a stronger personality. Uh, there there uh, you know communication issues I think was huge. Yeah, it's uh, and and I think we need someone to come in and and whip these guys into shape and and be a no nonsense person. Um, and I think it it to me it makes sense. Let's see if the football federation can pull it off because I guarantee you he's on the top of their list. I guarantee he is. Um, but anyway, that's gonna wrap it up for the national team segment uh, of this episode. Don't worry, it's not gonna go for another hour. Uh, we don't have much left to talk about. Um, we're gonna turn our attention to continental competition, but in the club sphere. Uh, the UEFA Europa Conference League resumes along with the rest of the European competitions this week as Punic take on Zagris of Lithuania, the first Lithuanian club to be playing in European competition uh, in a double header. So we will be playing them back-to-back in two matches that are essentially very crucial to whether or not Punic will be able to make it to the knockout stages. Um, Zagreus so far has played two games. They've drawn one and they've lost one. Uh, they have a negative one goal difference. Uh, they, I believe it was a nil-nil draw with Slovan Bratislava and a, a one-nil yeah. loss yeah. to FC Basel. Uh, clearly played extremely defensive against both teams. And maybe prior to the competition starting, they were looking at Punic and saying... Oh, Punic is the team we can go all out attack and win. And they might be still thinking that. Uh, but let's op- I'm going to open the floor up to you guys. Zalgiris, uh, Punic, six points up for grabs. And if Punic do get all six, knockout stage is looking extremely likely. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts? I don't know. I mean, I don't know, bro. Because I think Punic can do it. And... I think Melikian will be able to play a chess game with the the way Zalgiris plays. Uh, they clearly are a defensive-oriented club, as you've mentioned. They do not score a lot. Uh, and rotation is going to be key, you know, because uh, they, they started the three main Armenian backbone of the, that so far which is Yushchenko, um, Tartaktashian, and Hovannes Sarutunian. They've started them all three against uh, Alashket this weekend. Of course, they won. They gave Alashket an absolute trashing the way it should be uh, because Alashket are honestly not good. And if the half of the APO clubs set their sights to it, they can beat them, and Punic did. Uh, and I'm, I think he's not going to rotate a lot. He, I think he's going to start uh, most of this lineup because they're well-rested. And they're going to play again for the second time in four days against Stalgiris. They can do it. They can play the starters and win. And Melikan can rest them. Hopefully he does uh, next weekend. So they're also fresh for the away game to Zalgiris in in uh, Lithuania. Yeah, they they play so they play Thursday at home against Zalgiris, and then the following sad Sunday, October 9th, they play against Ararat Yerevan. Uh, it's a very early no late kickoff okay. actually, and it's a tough game. Uh, but it's one that you know I think they would be willing to rotate can, considering yeah. they're traveling uh, to Lithuania to play Zalgiris away uh, on October 13th. Their second string is class as well, and then they need form. Uh, you know, you got your Karenik Petrosian, you got your Spirovsky, you got your I don't know the the they don't have a bad bench. Uh, no, no, they don't. And and I the think other, mm-hmm. And I so I think it's very possible. I think if we do get three points at home, uh, it would be huge. And I think I think equally as big for us would be. Uh, Basel taking care of, of Slovan. As, as much as we want to see Tigran Barcelona succeed, 
Yeah. Slovan is just not doing so hot right now. So um, in all in all ways, shapes and forms. So I think it would be a huge help to Punic if Basel did the double on Slovan. Oh, speaking of Tico, he actually came on and got an assist today. (laughs) They're currently playing against uh, Zalaziarne. I can't even say that. And they're they're tied one all. It's the 80th minute. Tico came on and he assisted Vladimir Weiss. Um, Elsewhere in Europe, Armenians, we have the UEFA Champions League where Mkhitaryan and Inter Milan will be taking on FC Barcelona. Uh, and in the UEFA Conference League, we have Andre Chalassier, uh, who will be taking on FC Style Bucharest, uh, Sagis Alamian versus Partizan Belgrade. That's probably going to be a sick game to watch, Colon versus uh, Partizan. And then Barcelona, of course, in the same group as Punic, with Slovan Bratislava taking on FC Basel of Switzerland. Um, boys, great episode. Thank you for joining. Uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting week. Uh, thank God we have European competition. Youth League as well. uh, there's UEFA Youth League as well. Uh, the second leg, I believe, right, of uh, Punic versus yep. Nantes, uh, which Punic are down 2-0 one. on aggregate. Um, not impossible to come back, but you know what? It's it's a great experience for the boys. Bro, if Ooh. you're in Yerevan, if you're listening to this and you're in Yerevan, go support our boys. They did a fantastic job in Nantes in France, in northwest France, which was a very hard task for, seven, I believe, 16, 17-year-old Armenians. And yeah. they actually got to Armenia with an actual chance. Like, two-goal difference is not undoable. Of course, we're not expecting much, but they're doing their best, and they're actually doing well. So go support them. Uh, yeah, and it and if you're in Yerevan, please go support Punic at home against Zagiris. Well. I, I think there's going to be a lot of support for that game, uh, considering that last win against uh, Slovan. I think a lot of people in Armenia are going to be supporting them. And and I'm actually yeah, I hope so. a, a side note. I'm really I'm really pleased with the amount of people I'm seeing attending Armenian Premier League yes. games this season. Uh, no one goes to Alashkit games very self-explanatory there but punic have a lot of support uh in their home games urardu of course always have very very good support Adada armenia the stand is yeah. always full uh it, really really good uh, to finally see <laughs> the domestic league getting supported. think about this for a second think about this for a second look uh started from the bottom now we're here we have two games on the same day for European club competitions, UEFA Youth League, which is the equivalent for Champions League for under 19 year old uh, year old players, and UEFA Conference League, both on on the same day in Yerevan. I mean that's prime example of progress being a like being possible. Yeah, exactly. So uh, whether or not the national team is getting relegated or not. Just know that there is stuff happening in more important areas of Armenian football development. Um, I know most the average Armenian is just, or the average person is just going to view national team results unless they're very into European club football. Uh, but it's it, there are very, very good signs. We just hope the football federation is now taking the active steps continuing, I should say, to take the active steps on the national team front, because in terms of youth development, in terms of club football, uh, the evidence is, 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 is there, and a very clear as day. We are growing. We are getting better. Uh, we are improving. Hopefully, Punic can do great at home and great in Lithuania, and in the next episode, we could be talking about knockout stages of European competition in our second ever year, but let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Boys, this was awesome. Let's do this. We should do this a little more often. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. (laughs) If you have not already, please follow us on our social media. We're almost at 1,500 followers on Twitter, which is insane. Um, That's crazy. Thank you for all of your support. Uh, And the YouTube. People have been watching on YouTube, which is great. Keep watching on YouTube. We love it. Um, Listen to the show. uh, Like. Share us. Tell us. Tell your friends about us. You know, we're we're cool people. Um, and uh, follow us on Instagram. Please interact with us. Uh, we have 
we really, really like it when you message us, you talk to us. And, and a lot of you have actually after these recent results uh, have been messaging us. So we really we love interacting with you people. Uh, so interact with us, share it, just do everything you can. Whether or not you believe it, you doing these things are actually helping Armenian football grow. Uh, I'm going to start blabbering. Everyone, enjoy your week. Uh, go Punic. And uh, let's wait and see who is the next manager of the Armenian national team. That's going to be it for Football Gangstrom this episode. I'm out. We're out. Peace. Yeah.